Blog Talk Radio. Trendle Bed Tales, the podcast about Laura Ingalls Wilder, historic foodways, one-room schools, and other social history. This is Sarah Utah, the host and creator of Trendle Bed Tales. Find us around the web under Trendle Bed Tales and on your favorite social media platform. If you listen or just have an account on iTunes, please leave positive feedback because that has helps people find the show. And tonight's episode is is. Episode 110, Laura Ingalls Wilder's Birthday Party. And we are going to be asking for callers tonight uh, because we all want to be part of the party. So the number, if you want to call in, is one 877 That's one 877 Six three three nine three eight nine, and uh, you don't have to talk for very long if you don't want to. And uh, we've had some really interesting episodes in past years. We went to uh, the live celebration at the Laura Birthplace Cabin, the Little House Wayside in Pepin, Wisconsin. We talked to uh, one of the people behind the. Uh, pageant in, in Mansfield. We talked to someone who'd actually met Laura one time. So, oh, and we talked to my friend Kathleen Wall, the spokesmodel for Thanksgiving, because she does the foodways at Plymouth Plantation, and talked about how the Little House books and Barbara Walker really inspired a lot of historic cooks on their first step towards uh, learning all about food history. Now, uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, before we get started, and it is time for a little housekeeping. Hi, and And we may be getting a strange message. Let me just, before I do that, say the phone number one more time. It's one 877 or 714-242-5253. And I'm having my mom call in because... Uh, we actually had, this should have been uh, the 10th episode. There we go. All right. This is uh, supposed to have been the 10th birthday party episode we've done, but it is actually only the 8th. And that is because two years ago, uh, we had a problem that people, hold on. I think they might be able to hear the feedback, Mom. Okay. Uh, So two years ago, uh, we had a problem that there was an issue with my microphone. Uh, It had actually uh, was a problem for a couple of episodes. But that particular episode, you could not hear me at all. And uh, not only that, someone... One person called in, and I could not hear them at all. So I'm not entirely sure what was going on that time, but uh, we did some experiments since then, and hopefully we're all good. Now, then last year, uh, we had just gotten back from Disney World the night of the 6th, and we didn't get in till pretty late at night. And it was just, there was no way I was doing a podcast that day. We just had too much other stuff going on. I was going to maybe do one later in the year, and it just didn't happen. So 
after a two-year hiatus, here we go again with the birthday party. Now, I am uh, also, during housekeeping, like to give a few things on what's going on in uh, Laura fandom. And uh, for one thing, my uh, I just did a video today, which is the first video diary of my trip down to Mansfield on my YouTube channel. I did a podcast this week uh, in celebration of World Read Aloud Day, which was me reading from a Thornton Burgess book. Uh, we had a, um, uh, and I just did a uh, blog post about the said Disney trip. So there's lots of stuff to do if you follow along with Trendlebed Tales. And let me just, before we get out of the housekeeping, let me give you the numbers one more time. 714-242-5253. That's 714-242-5253. Or toll free, 1-877-633-9389. Toll free 1-877-633-9389. And the chat room is also open. If you would rather uh, tell us, you know, type your story, I'm glad to read it for you. And with that, I think we are done with, with the housekeeping. Now, uh, we're ready for people to call in, but usually, in my experience, it's a little slow at the beginning as people are working up the nerve, but really, uh, we're just asking you to speak for a couple minutes, so it isn't that big a deal, really. Uh, we appreciate it if you do. And uh, one of the things that I wanted to talk about tonight was Laura's gingerbread. Now, this was sort of her signature recipe. If there was a potluck or a party, or if she just wanted to cook something, well, bake something special, she would do Laura Ingalls Wilder's gingerbread. And I actually uh, had a friend of my mom's who got a Laura letter. And she used that or I, I used that. She got sent uh, Laura's recipe for gingerbread in it. A lot of times, having seen quite a few Laura letters, if she didn't have anything to say, if they hadn't asked enough questions, or uh, you know, she really just didn't have anything more to add to the letter and she thought it needed filled out a little bit more, she would put in a recipe, even if they hadn't asked for it. So you'll find recipes with the gingerbread. You'll find letters that have the vanity cakes. There's often, um, you know, if she was needing to do, put in filler, it was often a recipe. So there are quite a few copies of Laura Ingalls Wilder's gingerbread in her own handwriting. And uh, if you want to see one online, the Hornbook magazine has a vision online, a photograph of the letter they got. And we actually just had somebody call in and we're going to check with them very quickly to see if they wanted to talk. And if not, we will get back to the gingerbread story. Area code 513, are you wanting to talk or are you just here to listen? I'm sure. I would love to chat. Great. This so is Lori Goforth. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to hear it. So you you are the one, right, who helped us with the cat's meow. Yes, I did. It was which was probably phenomenal. the yes, that was probably the one of the highlights of my year. Like I helped create a cat's meow collection. Yes, which it was, I didn't. It was why, why, don't you tell yeah. people, why don't you tell people what Cat's Meow is if they don't know? Okay. So they're little three to six-inch wooden pieces that are painted like historical homes or 
I know I have one of my college's stadium, and just various things. Um, and they'll have ones that they do, and then they'll have ones that they do um, for an organization to sell at their shops. Or, as my mother is very happy to brag, you can have one made of your own house, too. Oh, that really? I didn't favorite. know that. Yes, that was her favorite Christmas present a few years ago. Um, but I had called them up because they, well, they had had some with the Mansfield home site, and they had posted some online um, just right before the announcement about the conference came out, and they had said, we're, you know, we're big Laura fans. And so when I said, oh, well, you know, there's big news coming out tomorrow, so I they had come and, you know, keep us posted. So I called them, and I thought, hmm, I'm also sponsorship chair of the conference. So let me call them and see if they would be interested in working with us. And they donated to the silent auction at the conference the originals of the um, DeSmet series that they did back in the 80s, which was just, they were gorgeous. And my parents went up to pick them up and said they were the nicest people in the world. Um, but then I was talking to the woman, and she's like, so do you have any connections to the other home sites? And I was like, well, you know, a little bit, but, you know, I can just give you the contact information. And they, they said, yeah, I mean, I could see those going over really well because I don't know about you, Sarah, but it seems like they have, they don't have a very lot in that, like, at the home sites in that 15 to $25 souvenir that would appear appeal to an adult who was there rather than to the kids. So it's like, I think that yeah, would be great. Any, any, more, any more of the Charlotte dolls are even way more in that for the most part. So, yes, that's true. That's a good niche. Yes. So it's like, I think you should call them up, and it would be great. And so they did, and then I got an email that they were collect, they were creating the whole series after talking to the Kansas and Wisconsin and I'm trying to remember I'm looking at my collection and I'm trying to think and I think it was the map as well that they were doing and I was like oh my gosh I am so happy for you and I need to buy them all immediately yeah so yeah well I, I had to add them to mine too so if anybody uh, actually has not seen them yet there is an unboxing video on my YouTube channel that starts out with one of the China Shepherdess, yes. but then I do all of the um, uh, the things from Cats Meow, so uh, you can see them as they would come in the yes. box view. Yeah. So I think they're a definite great addition to anybody's Laura collection. Yes, they are. And I'm really so glad you did that because really I don't think that would have happened otherwise. So kudos. That was really a great thing to follow up on. Yeah. Luckily I saw the right post at the right time. Well, you were probably meant to do it. Laura was probably looking out for it. Yeah. Well, while we got you on the phone, why don't you tell us how you first got involved with Laura. How did you discover her? I actually, I remember as I was sitting in my second grade classroom, it was one of the last days of the year. I, I knew like our library had closed down for the year and they showed us a film strip about Laura and Mary. And I thought, wow, that sounds great. I want to check those books out when we get back to school in the fall. And so I did. And I checked them out again and again and again. Anyone else at Liberty Elementary might not have ever had a chance to read them. Sure. Um, and then that was about a couple years later, my parents got a minivan and we started kind of taking some longer vacations, driving across the country and I'm going, if we're going to South Dakota, we need to go to DeSmet. If we're coming back through Missouri, we need to stop at Mansfield. And 
ended up visiting quite a few of the home sites that way as a little kid and, you know, really enjoyed it, really loved it, kind of, you know, went on. And then after college, you know, found Rebecca Bramer's Frontier Girl message board and was like, oh, my gosh, this is just, you know, the greatest thing. And these people are all so great. Yeah, I really really miss the message board and the listserv. I mean, it just, there, there was so much more to Discussion, I think, than is really um, yeah. welcome in the platform of social media, and that seems to be where most of the conversation is today. So it has to stay sort of, you know, surface. Yeah. But it was there. There was some great stuff back in the day, which makes me sound yeah. super old. But there you go. Yeah. Well, that's one of those things where I think, oh, that was just, oh, that was like 15 years ago. Time passes quick. <laughs> yeah. Well, so. if you ever get out to see me, I have two of the three film strips that I've identified about Laura <laughs> and a film strip player. So you can try it oh. and see if one of those is one of the ones you watched. Yeah. I I don't really hardly even remember it except, you know, there was like, a prairie and a little girl in a sunbonnet and just thinking, wow, those sound like good books. Well, they are. Oh, <laughs> you were right. <laughs> yeah, I was. And I heard your comment about the birthday party a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And I think I called in because I've been listening to your podcast while I'm at work. And there had been somebody that called in from Claremont County, Ohio, and she was saying how she was the only Laura fan she knew. And I just wanted to, if she's still listening, tell her that I am not far away. I am, like, in the next county over. So (laughs) she is not alone in southwest Ohio as the only Laura fan. Well, that's good. I hope there's more than two of you. I, I really think it would be fun if we could get some um, meetups kind of organized. But, you know, because I think there's yeah. still a feeling of, I, I think it's less with everything on the Internet. But I think there is a whole lot of people who think they're the person who loves Laura more than anybody else in the world and nobody else has a collection like this. And it's great to find yeah. somebody you can talk to that also loves Laura. That and is true. Yeah, that is and very that true. Stop, stop and explain. Well, Jack was her dog, and you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually have a woman at church that I talk to a little bit because she found out years ago we were talking about it. Um, probably like 2009, 2010, in the lead up to the first conference, I found out in the 70s she had done her master's thesis on Laura. Oh, so really? I saw, yeah. Do you have, do you have so a name I, of it? No, I don't. Uh, how can I check my but, list if you don't have the name? <laughs> I, yeah, oh, I was going to say, because I even... I know her married name. I don't know what it was written under. But uh, so last time I talked to her, she's like, oh, are you still involved? I'm like, you have to read Prairie Fires. You would love it. Well, my favorite part was the acknowledgments because she named me, but I don't know why, because she didn't cite <laughs> me. And I'm kind of, it's sort of like, okay, why did you put my name in there? But anyway, that's it's it's kind of fun. Um, but you have so much information online. I do? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you, you have so much information. So I try. I, say, I, I can, really do. Yeah. So it's one of those where it's like, you know, she might not have gotten anything specific, but there's probably a lot of things she read there where she got the ideas to go deeper. Well, that could that could be. Um, 
I talked to a lady who is doing a book on fandoms um, not too long ago. And, oh, good heavens, it's a couple months ago now. Where has the time gone this, this year? Uh, anyway, she, we were talking about it, and, and she's talking about how there's a lot of fanfic in a lot of fandoms where people are kind of making up stories. And I said that Laura fans tend to go down, not out. So we go deeper in finding out more about a particular subject. And yeah, that, what you said just reminded me of that. Yeah. And, you know, I have read fan fiction at different times. Uh, there's a couple authors who've written fan fiction about Anna Green Gables that I think, are absolutely wonderful stories, but with Laura, but it's not real. It's just your imagination. And like, no, I can't, you know, lots of our fans, I think want to know the, with the truth when you really start to get into it. So it's like, no, I'm backing away slowly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Lori, is it okay if I put you back on hold? We've got another caller, and we can see what they want. Sounds good. But don't go away if, if in, case they, okay. in case nobody else calls in. <laughs> I would appreciate it. Okay. Uh, area code, there we go. Area code 715, you are on the air. Okay. Hi, Sarah. This is Kitty and Teppen. Oh, hi, Kitty. I am glad you could call in tonight. If you people well, I'm don't sorry. Know, I, just I, want I didn't to say, hear what's happened already, so I'm not quite up to speed yet. Well, that, that's all right. We, uh, we actually had uh, Lori Goforth call in, who oh, okay. is the one who got the uh, Cat's Meow um, new uh, thing started for this year, which was kind of cool. And what if anybody started, say that again. Uh, the, cat, the cats meow, those uh, cut out uh, figures of how. Oh, sure. Okay. I know what they are. Yes. Okay. okay. And if anybody out there doesn't know who Kitty is, Kitty is a wonderful tinsmith who has for many, many years done Laura uh, tin cookie cutters. And she is very big in the cookie cutter world. I have had people be very impressed. I knew her. Uh, and she also does a lot with uh, Laura Days in Pepin and uh, is one of the major forces behind the traditional craft demonstration there. So uh, she is a great person to know about Laura. Oh, and she's done a lot of research on uh, the history of Pepin and Laura's time. And she even wrote a book on it, which I own two copies of. Oh my! That's why. Thank you. So, what is going on in Pepin this year? Well, it's the Laura Ingalls Wilder Memorial Society always holds their annual meeting, sort of in honor of Laura Ingalls Wilder's birthday. but always on a Tuesday close to her birthdays, I guess the Tuesday following her birthday, because the meeting will be held this coming Tuesday. And I am not, if I had been, I could have made, done some research to find out what the agenda is. Of <laughs> course, there there's always birthday cake involved, uh, often some special entertainment. Um some years we have had a party up at the wayside cabin so i thought i might take a minute or so just to describe that of course the cabin is empty and unheated there's a fireplace uh but if you're from cold climates you know how cold and unheated building becomes so when we have held parties there we've got usually gone in a few hours early and started a fire and in fact 
in 2018, the last time we had a party, uh, we actually carried a little wood stove up to the wayside, and we we took some uh, buckram for chinking because they're, the logs always need a little more chinking than they actually have. But we've had good attendance and really fun activities, I guess, besides the fire in the fireplace or stove. We've taken the... Uh, the coffee grinders and ground wheat and made just just uh, more like griddle cakes than bread and believe me it takes it would take a lot of grinding in a coffee grinder to get something that was comparable to flour uh, this what we get unusually will run it through the grinder several times and it's pretty coarse but they're so good. Nothing is as good as food cooked over a fire when you're kind of cold and hungry. So I always, the last, say, hunger, I always say hunger is the best sauce, and I think that's that, true. That is very true. So in 2018, Mary Pat Clevin brought her fiddle and played music for us, and that was uh, that was just lovely, although she also commented on the cold and how hard it is to move one's fingers over the strings vigorously when their fingers are freezing, but uh, it can be done for a little while, and Andrea Michaelbust came that year and brought a spinning wheel, and then in the yard at the wayside cabin, there was a tree that had died, and Tom, my husband, brought his uh, two-person cross-cut saw up to the wayside, and they cut the tree down as part of the entertainment. Oh, and wow. I didn't it know was that. So, oh, you just can't believe how sweet it was. There was a little girl there who had, I think, fairly recently read uh, Little House no, on the banks of Plum Creek, I guess it is, where Laura brings in the wood pile. But the little girl that was there was just just beaming. I mean, her energy alone added 15 or 20 degrees of warmth to that cabin. But she wanted to bring in that wood, and she went back and forth and back and forth carrying armfuls of wood with a great beam on her face. It was really quite charming and I guess many people came and had a lovely time but that young lady stands out in my memory as the the, the one who really charmed us all well that's really cool that you got a chance to do it on a standing tree I've seen demonstrations of it you know with a log on um Oh, I just lost the word. Sawhorses. You know, I'm mm-hmm. on uh, sawhorses to cut it, but I've never seen it on a strand, standing tree. That sounds yeah, well, really they, cool. And they did, you know, they they followed the rules. They cut a wedge so they could control the direction in which the tree would fall. So it was it was a good a good experience. A very and I guess at the time or maybe the following year we talked about doing a birthday party again and it seemed like the the organization here in Pepin the people who are involved felt like maybe once every 5 years would be enough uh, that it's it's involved enough and exhausting enough that they aren't going to try to do that every year well, it is hard doing a, a, a winter event. Um, we, well, I used to work at, at Escher's Ferry Historic Village, and we used to have a Christmas event, which was always the first weekend in December. And I went through one year of that and said, okay, I need a wool dress. Gingham does not do well in winter. Mm-hmm. So you have to have different supplies and, and different everything. And people are so used to um, 
to being warm that I, I think people kind of um, give up a little more easily than, than they would have if they lived 100 years ago. Well, of course, you know, I have an old letter from ancestors who settled down near uh, near Dubuque, but letters sent back home to the relatives. And the aunt commented that she and the baby suffered very much in their feet through the winter. It was so cold, but yeah, people just had to buck it up and endure the endure the discomfort. And and you had uh, a slave that year too, or one of the years you did it. That was you? yeah, that was in um, 2017 for the 150th. We had good snow cover and a sleigh, and that was that was impressive. That was a bitterly oh. cold day, but and. Because it was the 150th, it was very crowded. It was really standing room only in the cabin. Well, I would love to come up with one, but I do not take planned long trips in the winter for the most part mm-hmm. when I'm going driving north. But maybe someday I'll get brave and, and come up for it. If you well, every five years you'll have to think yes or no. Well, I I do that, but I usually end up saying no because I you know for someone who just uh, complained about people not liking the cold, I have driven in enough bad weather that mm-hmm. I don't want to drive in any more bad weather I can avoid. Yeah, but I'm so glad that you, you did that because I think it would be really a, a great event and to have the fiddle music and the fire and the horses and just everything uh the cabin a lot of times you visit the cabin and you're like the only one there which is nice and it's quiet but i think that would make you feel a little bit more like the cabin was alive and that there were mm-hmm. people there, which yep. i think is So, do you have any new plans for uh, the traditional craft demonstrations this year? Oh, we just started. We had our first meeting last week uh, to put together plans. And uh, I guess for traditional crafts, we have contact has been made, but we don't. We won't be hammering out the details till closer to the event. When I say contact has been made, I, the, the people who have been uh, regular demonstrators have been informed of the dates and the plan. Well, that's good. And do you want to give out the dates while you're on the air? Oh, I should do that. Uh, that's you know, I I have to pause and let me just uh, mumble and take a second here to pull it up in front of me because I don't have them on the very tip top of my head. Well, if you've only had meeting, you probably wouldn't. And if anybody wants to see just why they need to go to Laura Days in Pepin, I just finished my uh, last video diary of my Pepin trip. And I do about you know, 10 minute videos and man, it takes longer to edit them than you would think. But I try and I'm trying to post one a week. And so I just finished Pepin and you can learn all about how terrific Laura Days is. Okay. And now I have it. Mark your calendar for next year's Laura Ingalls Wilder Days, September 12th and 13th. It's always the second full weekend of September. Uh, So frequently it's the weekend after Labor Day, but not always. If Labor Day falls on on the first, then we have an extra week before Laura Ingalls Wilder Days. 
this year, 2020, it will be September 12th and 13th. And if somebody does a traditional craft and they would be interested in demonstrating it, uh, they can do that, right? Oh, yes. That, that we, uh, we, need to, we need to plan on it. It's not, it doesn't work. We have had people just show up and demonstrate, but we prefer that we have we have kind of a a village, and we kind of like to have some organization to our demonstration and have a space set aside for a person who's demonstrating. Yes, so definitely. Contact. We have a Facebook page, lauradays.org. No, the Facebook page is just Laura Days. The website is lauradays.org, and you can contact us through either of those places. Well, that's good, and I really think it's a great opportunity. So if anybody, you know, uh, can sew on a treadle sewing machine or um, – they uh, used to have a great uh, display about flax and just all kinds of things. So if you do something that is cool, I think everybody would be very glad to see it. Mm-hmm. All right, Kitty, we have another caller. Is it okay all if right. I just... Well, I oh. will let you go. Talk to you Thanks another time. Calling. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Bye. And area code 812. You should be on the air. Hi, Sarah. This is Karen Pierce. Oh, hi, Karen. How are you doing? Good. I feel like I always call into your birthday party. <laughs> well, that is just fine because, as I say, this yeah. is... This is really my only caller-driven episode, so I am always very fearful no one's going to call, and I'll just be me. So, oh, I don't think that would like, happen. Like the year when my mic didn't work, and I talked for an hour, and nobody could hear me. Oh. <laughs> so I'm very glad to have you call in. And you have a little one there at home. How how are they doing? He's Doing well. Arthur is three months old. He's listening to his first Trundle Bed Tales episode. Oh, that's great. Did yeah. You, and Karen and her husband always say very nice things about my theme song, which makes me feel good because I wrote it. Yeah, we've flirted with the idea of like performing it on our clarinets at a Laura Palooza sometime, but it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be worth going for just for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, the reason I was calling in is um, a little back. So we, Kevin and I, we had to go to Hawaii this last summer for a family wedding. And on the way, we stopped in San Francisco for a day and checked out the Laura stuff there. And because I feel like that San Francisco is so far away from everything else. But I think it's, I mean, I had never been there. So um, I think a lot of people probably haven't. But. We got to see a lot of the stuff that she mentions in West From Home, and it was really cool. Um, I think probably my favorite part, we, like we went to the house where, like, Rose was living, and she and she stayed um, while she was there. Like, it, the house is still there, and so that was cool. Um, we took an Uber up there. The guy knew where to go. I mean, I think if we had been driving, like, we would have gotten lost because it was, like, there's this, like, part right before you get go up the hill where you have to know, like, oh, turn right there, and Actually, we had seen Bill Anderson um, like a week or two before at Laura Palooza, and he told us about that. He's like, you know, like, you almost missed it. <laughs> and, and so, but luckily we weren't driving, but our Uber driver knew exactly what. He's like, oh, we're you know, like, took, took the turn or whatever. He knew where he was going. But that was really cool. But probably my favorite part was um, when we went to the beach that she talks about and, like, mm-hmm. um, with the cliff house and everything, um, we found that spot. And that was just really neat. It kind of reminded me of um, the first time we went to Dismet and how just, like, everything was just exactly how she described it in the books. And I could just, 
you know, it was just exactly how, and like, I, you know, and there's a picture, the photograph in West from Home, and it's like, it looked exactly like the landscape looked pretty much like it. Of course, there's like a, a road and like some things are a little bit different, but overall it looked the same. And so that was just kind of a, a special moment. We um, got to like go around and visit like the, um, the site, I think it's like the fine arts building or something that's still there. The one, mm-hmm. the one part that's still there from the, exposition and um we saw um the statue the pioneer mother statue i think that's been moved to somewhere else but we found like where it was and you know we had we had a day but we tried to pack as much as we could into it and it was really i was i was gonna ask you if you went saw the pioneer mother statue i i love that and laura talked about it in the book i just wish we could get one like that for Laura, because or my, yeah, it's, it's such a great, it's such a great statue, and, and yes, uh, it is. Yeah, it's, it's been it's been moved to a park, I think, and like there's like a bench there, and yeah. you know, like we, you know, took a bus to it, and yeah, it was really neat. And um, what what's kind of I guess ironic or strange is that um, we we actually got to present at Laura Palooza this year, and we presented on the concert that um, Lauren Rose goes to, the Fritz Chrysler concert that she goes to um, when she's mm-hmm. in San Francisco. But the one place we wanted to go and didn't make it to was the theater <laughs> where the concert yeah. happened. So we just didn't, you know, you know, when you travel, you like you don't, yeah, you always end up running out of time to do what you want. We just never made it up there, but. Next time, if we're ever out that way again. But um, otherwise, it was a really cool. So I'm, I encourage any fans who are, you know, in that area or travel through that area. It's so worth taking a day to go around and and check all that stuff out. It was a lot of fun. And there is a, a Laura fan who did a book on that, and mm-hmm. I should quickly look up the title of it because that would be helpful and I should have done that while you were talking but uh, that's okay I can keep talking um when we were another thing I was going to mention kind of aside right before we went you know like the conference happened like a week or two before we left I don't remember exactly when but um this year you know it was near Pepin and you just had Kitty on the on the show so um like I'd never been to Pepin and we, you know, that was the, where everyone went the last day. And that was really neat. You know, like I, the, the lake, like Lake Pepin was exactly how I pictured it. You know, like Laura's gift of description is just amazing because, um, I mean, of course it wasn't frozen over because it was summer, but, um, but it was just really cool to like see the lake and that she talks about and, and um, the people of Pepin were so welcoming so welcoming they put together dinner for us um kitty and like some of her friends they like reenact like in the cemetery like they like dressed in costume and were like acting like in character of some of the people in the cemetery Mm -hmm. and like we got to go around to the different graves and they like gave gave a you know like story of that person's life and and everything it it was really unique you know something i'd never seen before and that and they had a dinner for us with, you know, fiddle music and a barn dance. I was pregnant and exhausted, so I didn't really <laughs> participate in any of that. But but it was a great time. But anyway, so we did that. And then um, like a week or so later was when we were going to the family wedding in Hawaii and got to go to San Francisco. And so it was a big summer, big summer of lots of Laura, Laura travels. Yeah, that sounds absolutely great. San Francisco is still on on my to-do list, I hope eventually I get there, there, and mm-hmm. uh, the Pomona Public Library. And uh, oh, yeah. actually, I was interviewing uh, Dean Butler once, and he wanted, he just assumed I'd been to Simi Valley. I said, well, no, I haven't been to it. And if I was in California to do a Laura site, it wouldn't be Simi Valley. <laughs> I mean, that'd be something cool to see, but like, yeah, yeah, I know yeah. what you mean. It's like, it's like a TV show fan attraction, I guess. Yeah. And the book is called Rose Wilder Lane, San Francisco. And it talks a lot about the stuff um, to see that Laura talks about in West from Home. And it also talks about uh, places that uh, Rose dealt with when she was uh, living out there. Cause she actually lived there for uh, a few years. So uh, there's uh-huh. all sorts of other connections too, but 
that is mm-hmm. so cool. You got to go out. Yes, yes, it it was a lot of fun. So, uh, do you have any big music plans on the horizon? Big music plans? Um, not right now. Like right now, I feel like in some ways I'm kind of treading water right now with the newborn. But, um, but you know, like we're still doing our day to day, you know, teaching music. Um, we actually got to take a lot. I mean, I of course took some time off after the baby was born. Kevin got to take time off with me too because he's worked in Texas so long and had so many vacation days. So we actually, you know, it was really you know nice that we had a few weeks right after he was born to just be at home. But now we're back to the grind and both, you know, working every day. And so we're, we're, we're tired (laughs) all the time, but I'm sure new things will come. Well, thank you for calling in. And I also want to say thank you to Nancy Cleveland. I was actually on the Amo Gasson screen looking up the book and while I was doing that, she'd gone ahead and posted the full citation for me in the chat room. So if anybody wants to see it uh, and clicks on the chat room link, it, it is there with the, all the pertinent information. And you can get it on Amazon. Awesome. Okay. Well, let's see how long do we have left. You know... It's either feast or famine. I either have a bunch of people call in and that I'd like to talk to or nobody calls in. So uh-huh. uh, so we got a few years, but we got a little time left. Um, why don't you tell us how you got interested in Laura Ingalls Wilder? Well, I originally, like like a lot of people, I think I read um, when I was really little, like before I was reading, um, I would watch the TV show. I remember um, episodes of the TV show come out, and I really like the TV show. And I know there's some people out there that like don't like the TV show, but I'm a I'm one of the people that's a fan of both. You know, like I, I appreciate each for what it is. Um, but um, when I was you know little kid, like I watched the TV show a lot, and then I just I knew that it was based on a book series, and then sort of read you know the books a little bit as a kid, but I didn't really get into it till I was actually much older. You know, I, I, I guess kind of like being nostalgic and revisiting childhood. Um, I started reading the books and, um, and really got into it. And then I came across, um, I actually have you to thank for a lot of this. Um, I was just like Googling Loring Wilder one time um, a few years ago and came across um, the Beyond Little House site talking about the upcoming 2012 conference. And I was like, oh, my gosh, there's a conference. I'd never heard of the organization. I'd never heard of the conference. And so then I just go on YouTube to look at, like, I wonder if anyone's posted anything from it. And you sure have. <laughs> you had posted a lot of videos from the 2010 conference. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this looks like fun. You know, so we went to the 2012. And, like, I don't know, it's just kind of, like, snowballed, like, over the years. And I just get – and then, one of, like, like, a lot of, like, you know, things that people get interested in. It's like you find new, you learn new things and you get into, you know, different, different things you're interested in within that hobby or what a fandom or whatever. Um, like, like for example, this year we presented in that concert, you know, like I, I had read about that concert in San Francisco many, many times, but then it just dawned on us, Hey, you know, like I wonder if we can learn anything more about that. And I mean, so Kevin, did a you know did a lot of research and like we found the program from it and like we found and then Kevin is like so knowledgeable about orchestra music and um and so like we um found like I think one of the recordings was of Fritz Chrysler performing right like, yeah it wasn't like obviously it wasn't that concert but it was like him performing one of the pieces that he performed on that concert and um, and then like other, and then we have recordings of the other pieces that were on it. So like when we gave this presentation, we were able to like play clips so people could kind of, you know, picture like what Laura was hearing, you know, which was cool. So, I mean, that's just like an example of like how, like, that's not something I was even thinking about, you know, like in, you know, year, a few years ago, but then just over time, you're like, Oh, I wonder if there's more to learn. And there's just so much to learn. Like you just learn so much and, and there's always more to learn. <laughs> it's just a lot of fun and you kind of meet really cool people that you wouldn't meet other, otherwise. We make a lot of friends and just a lot of fun. 
and how did Kevin get in? Just did you uh, drag him in, or had he found Laura on his yeah, own? Yeah, he like so. Kevin, you he had um, heard of Laura Ingalls Wilder, knew of the TV show, but that's about it. Here, I'm going to hand this on to Kevin. Hi, Sarah. Hey, Kevin. So, how did you learn about Laura? Okay, well, I mean, before I met Karen, I guess just sort of in school, I guess I just sort of became aware, probably when I was in either elementary, yeah, probably when I was in elementary school, I don't remember, like, any of the books being, like, read to me or read to my class. I think I just sort of became aware maybe we would have, like, a reading assignment where we had to read, like, a book that was sort of a classic or something and so I was kind of aware that there was an author named Laura Ingalls Wilder who wrote a book called Little House on the Prairie and then I think I think it was probably when Michael Landon passed away I forgot exactly what year that was but the early 90s um I became aware of the fact that he was on a TV show called Little House on the Prairie. And so, like, that was basically my extent of knowledge of Laura before meeting Karen. And so it was, like, I, I knew that, I just figured that the show was based on the book. I don't know if I even knew there was a and so kind of in, in until Karen got interested um, in the real life, I really didn't know a whole lot. I don't know if I even knew that the books or a book, I book or whatever it was was based on her real life. And so once Karen got interested, I just sort of became a fan by marriage. Um, I still... I don't know if I've even sat down and read all of the books straight through. I've read, I've read all of Pioneer Girl when that came out. I read all of Prairie Fires when that came out because I think I kind of already knew so much about her life at that point that I was just sort of interested in learning, you know, more of the kind of the true story and what research had been done, and and interested in in going back with 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 uh, Pioneer Girl and looking at what she at least wrote originally that uh, was intended, you know, more for adults. So kind of my history a little bit. So as a sort of fan by marriage, what do you think now? Do you enjoy Laura's stories? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I... I I mean, I don't have the nostalgia for them, probably, that people do who read them as children because they weren't one of those kind of, you know, loved, one of my, you know, best loved book series when I was a child. Um, there's, you know, when I was a kid, I was a lot more into sort of the fantasy stuff. And um, so that was, that like that's a little bit different, but I think just sort of the history angle of it has has become sort of my interest in it, and then also sort of I think probably a lot of people who are just sort of interested in one topic can find a way in which her history intersects with their own. Karen already talked a little a lot about our presentation. Um, I mean, I think, I don't know if there's if there's time, but if, if I could, there's a little bit that I, during our, my research in, into our presentation, um, I got really, it was, it was very interesting that I was able to put, to, I got into contact with a couple people and came sort of close to some really interesting primary sources. Um, the, I mean, I read a biography about Chrysler uh, the only one that's come out probably in the last, like, there are only maybe two that are published. And so the most recent one is maybe 20, 22 years old or so. So I contacted the author. She was able to kind of to find a just a little write-up about that concert. So that's the way I knew 
what the pieces were that Laura and Rose heard in San Francisco. And then, so like she was really helpful. Amy B. and Coley is her name. I believe she writes for the Albany, whatever their local paper is. Um, and then uh, through Bill Anderson, he kind of put me in touch with some Mansfield Museum people. And I read in his book, he has those annotated letters or selected letters. And he put me in touch with the Mansfield Museum because I had read in his book that the Wilders owned, I think it's like six of Chrysler's recordings. And so I asked them if they knew anything about the, the, the Mansfield Museum, and they, like, put together this really nice packet that has, like, pictures of the records themselves and what what is on those records. They're all obviously, like, I mean, 78s. I guess those are pretty much most of, most of what existed, at least in the Wilders in their generation. Um, so, so they have like photos of them and they gave me this really interesting thing. And I showed every people who have done a lot of research at the conference. And I mean, their reactions to like, wow, you got these pictures of this stuff from Mansfield. And they were like, they were, their reaction was like, wow, it's almost like, it's, it's like, feel felt like I got to try Fort Knox or something. They were just like, that was like the reaction to these people who are like, you know, really had done a lot of really interesting research. People who are, you know, who've been involved with, with Wilder research and with the, um, uh, the Lulura, my, uh, L-I-W-L-R-A, uh, Lula, as I like to call it. So, uh, it was, it was just, that's sort of one of the things recently that's been, just a really exciting Laura moment for me, just being able to find like pretty much everyone, if you're interested in a topic, can find ways that your personal profession intersects with it. We've just gotten to know so many people who are involved in diverse topics and diverse careers. And it's, it sort of brings burying people together. So that's what I've always liked about it so much. Well, it it is always interesting to see that. And that's one of the things Mm -hmm. that I always say when you're doing research, you know, when I'm getting people started on it, is if you you either need to know the process of research and a little background, or you need to know a Mm -hmm. lot of background and that'll help you get going on, on your specific topic so that is very cool and i am very pleased that mansfield helped you yeah yeah they were they were very helpful and i i you know i think based on what i've heard recently and i've talked to some of those mansfield people recently and i think they're i think they're sort of trying to become a little bit more open to uh to, to 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 help people who are interested in researching things they seem to be, you know, really, really, at least at the most recent conference where I saw them, um, the guy who's the director now, I, for, I his name escapes me. What was his name? Simmons? Oh. Inman. Nicholas. What? Nicholas, Nicholas yeah. Inman. Yeah, Nicholas. Uh, he, he really seems interested in, in helping those who are interested in, who, in, in, in researching things. So that was that was nice to see. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Kevin. And I'm Mm going to go ahead and uh, put you back on hold because we actually have one other caller and we are down to about a minute. So um, if uh, I'm going to keep going with the recording, but uh, you may you may drop out when it hits the end of the hour, but I'll keep going with our caller. So uh, thank you for everybody who called. And I'm going to go ahead and say it now to make sure I get it in. Right in the corner where you are and look for us all around the web on Trundle Bed Tales. Area code 319, you are on the air. Laura, how are, er, Laura. I'm thinking about Laura. 
Do you have any information about Laura and the kind of sewing she and her family did? I know there's some quilt information out there, but um, have you ever examined her books for the sewing aspect? Well, I I will tell you that I have a friend who uh, is involved in uh, the, the Midwest Open Air Museum Coordinating Council that I'm a part of, and uh, she was doing her thesis, and I can't remember if it was for a master's or a PhD. It's been a little bit, so I had to deal with it. And she went through uh, Laura's books and compared them with what was sort of standard sewing for the time. And mm-hmm. she found that there were very, very close matches on it. The one thing that she couldn't find was the metal pattern uh, that they talk about Ma having that, that you could adjust depending on the size of the person, like you'd measure their shoulders and their waist and you could adjust of frame and then you'd use that to cut out stuff uh it had actually been an older uh pattern but then she uh dug into that a little deeper and found out that that was something that people especially on the prairie or on the frontier were still using even though in the east they'd given it up and moved to other sorts of patterns and if you ever go to the herbert hoover presidential library and museum which is awesome thought. One of the things they have there is a mold, uh, um, a pattern, just like the one um, Laura describes Ma having. So uh, I think it is a really cool thing. She also looked at the illustration in the book, and uh, it was pretty interesting because what she talked about was that um, the even though most pe- people... Uh, think that Garth Williams' book, illustrations are a lot more accurate, except for his his uh, churn, which is wrong. But um, uh, she said actually Helen Sewell's Mildred Boyle's uh, illustrations of the clothes were actually closer to what Laura was describing and the correct time period for the clothes, where Garth Williams was a little bit more. Um, let's put them in. Well, I always thought he romanticized the illustrations in such a way that it made it, uh, shall I say, more modern or more appealing to the reader of the 40s. But in actuality, the pictures would have shown a much harsher, plainer life than what it appeared. Um. Yeah, I think that that is probably true. Mm-hmm. But like, like it's uh, the for that one topic, then you want to look at the uh, earlier illustrations than Garth Williams, if you actually want. And so, to. who is this person who is writing this thesis, or is it I, is a, I, I assume? I actually. Uh, well, I was judging a point to say a friend. She's somebody I knew through the organization, and I honestly would have to look up her name. It's been a long time since I read the paper. Would you be at all willing to post that on your blog so I would have a um, reference for it and could pursue maybe more information on them? Yeah, I should be able to do that. You you can shoot me an email, too, uh, at uh, info at trundlebedtales.com. And Got I it. will get into, and I will dig up the paper because I That'll have a copy. Thank you so much, sir. You are welcome. And that and gets a nice up. podcast. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. And I appreciate you calling in. Okay. Good night. And, and with that, that gets us back. Well, that gets us through the hour and a little bit over. I I didn't actually get to the gingerbread, which is good because it means people called in and talked, which I am always most grateful for. Uh, So I guess we'll hold off on that until next year, where hopefully once again, we'll be able to do an actual birthday party instead of having silence or 
putting it off for a trip. But I uh, will go ahead and look up the link to the uh, Harper Collins uh, version of Laura's handwritten gingerbread uh, recipe, and I will add that to the description so that we can uh, get that out there if you want to see it. And with that, I appreciate everybody who stopped in, and I hope you have a very happy birthday, Laura, and I hope all of you listening had a good Laura's birthday, too. And it didn't even storm here. We're, it did do a light snow, but we can deal with that. And know if you use the actual right mouse, it'll work. There we go. So right in the corner of where you are.